settle down. You told us to go be the family, right? And that's what you're doing, being the family. That's awesome. Uh, hey, guys, we just have uh, one uh, announcement for you. Uh, this Wednesday, everybody say this Wednesday. Yeah, this Wednesday is the first Wednesday of the month which means we have a time of prayer and worship right here in the sanctuary. Uh, it starts at 6.30, uh, goes to about 8 o'clock, and so we just invite all of you to come out to just pray. Just come before the Lord and pray. The worship team's up here, we do a song or two, and then we just kind of, we're just in his presence. And we just come and we just pray and we ask the Lord and we just seek the Lord, you know, on things that are going on in our life, in our country's life, um, for a whole bunch of different things. And I have a quick testimony of somebody, actually Pastor Andy had mentioned it to me, uh, but there was a guy who came to the prayer night last month, and he was just really having a very difficult week, very difficult week on a lot of different levels. How many of you have ha ever had a difficult week? So you don't have to have a difficult week to come to the prayer night. However, he was having a difficult week, and he just came to the prayer night, and he just, it was like he rested in God's presence. And he said he just left. I mean, he wasn't like, you know, he didn't grab the microphone and do a bunch of prayers for Jerusalem and Israel and, you know, casting down demons and all the stuff you could do. But what he did, he actually just fell asleep. He'd be like, oh, somebody fell asleep in church. Yeah. Well, not while I'm preaching. But on Wednesday night, they were just, he was just in God's presence and he rested. In the middle of the week, he just rested. And he left renewed and refreshed. And it's just a wonderful time to just be in God's presence. So I encourage you to come out this, this Wednesday night uh, here in the sanctuary uh, for a time of prayer. And I know we've already given a couple updates uh, on the One Focus Network conference that we were at. I have my shirt on, One Focus Network. And we also, Andy's got his sweatshirt on. He's got the theme of the conference was Prayer Awakening. Prayer Awakening. And to be honest, guys, I went to the conference with an expectation that I was going to come out with, I'm talking like 10 strategies for ECF to revitalize our prayer. And just, I mean, we've got great prayer, but just to revitalize it, take it to the next level. Do you know what happened? The Lord worked on, guess who? Me. And Pastor Liz and Pastor Andy and Sid. I don't know if I've ever cried so much in like a two-day period except for maybe when a baby was born in our home or when I got married. I was the one who cried at the altar during marriage. Yes, I was crying. And maybe because we went to the conference was at the church we grew up in. It was where they hosted it. And maybe it was because it was at the church we were actually married in in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, but, I mean, I was just weeping and weeping the whole time. And really what the Lord was showing is for me, a prayer awakening just from my own life. And as a leader and as a pastor, the importance of prayer in my own life. And he put a finger on certain things in my own life. I'm talking like a finger on him. It's like this is something that has to change in your life. And this is something you need to stop doing. And this is something you need to start doing. And so I think we, we drove back yesterday. It's like a six-hour drive. We drove back and somebody asked me, are you refreshed and rested and ready to go? I was like, no. <laughs> I just had two days, 48 hours of the Lord just being like, oh, the presence of the Lord, transformation in my own life. I was like, I need to take a week off from the conference. Honestly, it was just the Lord doing 
amazing things. And so we're just excited. I'm sure we'll share more uh, as the weeks uh, progress on prayer as the Lord leads us. But I just want you to know it was a great conference. Thank you for sending us. Uh, we just had a really great time. And I know Elizabeth is here, and Elizabeth actually is from a sister One Network or One Focus Network church in Virginia. And she went to New Life Church in Virginia Beach uh, while you were in Virginia, and she came back to Erie, Pennsylvania, and you reached out to the One Focus Network or New Life and said, hey, are there any good churches around the Erie, Pennsylvania area? And the One Focus Network was like, yeah, we have one. Go to ECF. And so we're just happy that you're here. And that was, I told a lot of people about you being here at our church, and we're just so happy that you're here. So, hey, I just have a quick uh, scripture here over our offering that I want to read, and then we'll pray, and we'll get into our new series that we're starting this morning. It's out of Deuteronomy 28 is where I've been reading, uh, starting in verse 2. It says, all these blessings, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And we started going through all the blessing, the blessing in verse 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 8 and 10 and all the way down. But now we're at verse 14. It says this, you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I commanded you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. And it was interesting, if you look at the very first verse, verse 2 that I read, and then back to verse 14, it's like an obedient sandwich. It is. It's like an obedient sandwich. It's like the Lord, as the scripture was written, uh, and it's Deuteronomy, so as Moses wrote this, so as, as the scripture was written... He starts with, hey, obey the voice of the Lord, and I will bless you. And then it says, here's your blessing, here's your blessing, here's your blessing, here's your blessing. And too often we get, all, we get so wrapped up in God's goodness and faith and blessing, sometimes we stray away from the command that he calls us to, is to tithe and to give, and to give of our time and our efforts and our relationships and bring them all before him. And so it's like a reminder, it's the sandwich at the end of this blessing portion. It says, you shall not turn aside. From any of the words which I commanded you this day to go serve any other God. You know there's a lot of gods out there. Lowercase g, a lot of gods. But we serve one God. One God. One Father, one Son, one Holy Spirit, the Trinity, God. And so we trust in him for everything in our life. Let's pray. And guys, as we pray, I just want to pray a quick prayer. Um, Becky came up and said that uh, just to pray for Jerusalem, uh, it's on a calendar, and I don't know if it's a day or a special day today in Israel or Jerusalem, but we're going to pray for Jerusalem. We're also just going to pray for a minute for those affected by Hurricane uh, Ian, okay, if we could do that as well. So just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. We thank you, Lord, for these tithes and offerings, Lord. We thank you that every bill is paid. Father, we just, just continue to operate, and thank you for leading us into your commands, Father, as you have ordained things for us, Lord, and we lift them up to you. And Father, we just lift up Israel to you. We lift up Jerusalem to you, Lord. We don't know the last days or when they started or if they started or all of that stuff just yet, Lord, but we do ask, Lord, that we just lift Jerusalem up to you and Israel up to you. Father, we lift up these upcoming elections up to you, Father God, and we lift up our country to you this morning. We lift up all those affected by this hurricane, Lord, and the tragedy and things that are going on, Lord. Show us how we can help, Father, and as we pray and come before you, Lord, that you would just bring the right people and the right things in place to help those who are in desperate need 
from this hurricane. And so, Father, we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory and bless this message today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, Mark 16. Open up your Bibles to Mark 16 or your electronic devices, however you um, read the Bible or look at it, what you have here today. We're starting a new series. Uh, Edward, if you can go to the series slide, uh, the opening title before I get to that. And we're starting a new series. Uh, Thank you, Sid, for this awesome graphic. And what we're calling it is The Believer's Authority. The Believer's Authority. Authority, And if you notice the word, there's a couple ways you can phrase this. There's a lot of books written on it. And one of the ways you can phrase it is the authority of the believer. But I like this version, the believer's authority, because it's like the possessive case. Meaning we possess an authority if we are a believer that we get to operate in and utilize and walk in. It's an authority given by God in our lives for those who are believers. And the reason why we're doing this series is really because the Lord told me to. Secondly, because he's been working on me in my life on this. He just continues to work on me in my life in this. And there's been times, we just went to a prayer conference... And there are certain things that I had been praying for, and I'm just praying, and I just keep praying over it and praying over it and praying over it. There are certain things in our life that we need to pray about, absolutely. But there's also certain things in our life that we just need to take authority over in the name of Jesus and see things move in our life. And the Lord, he went to me, he said, I'm not going to answer that prayer. And I'm like, Lord, why not? What do you mean you're not going to answer my prayer? Because he said, I've already given you the authority to take care of that situation. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Whoa. And I started researching and praying and searching. Lord, teach me more about the believer's authority. Teach me more so that I can operate in this authority day in and day out. So that I'm not just walking around praying for something which he's already given me the power to answer. And I'm like, holy cow, this is big stuff. So we're going to walk through this series. I don't know how many weeks we're going to do it. Uh, I'm just Basically, this week is just going to be an introduction to it. Uh, I'm obviously not going to give you all of it today. There's a lot to unpack that we have here. So there's a lot of things that we're going to uh, unpack. But I'm, I mean authority in our parenting, in our marriage, in our church, in our school, over healing, over all these things that happen in our life. And yes, I'm going to balance it with teaching us how to pray, but there's a teaching that we have to understand on taking authority. So you guys know that a couple weeks ago, uh, we went on a trip. We went on a vacation to North Carolina, to the Outer Banks, on the beach. Oh, let me just say it again like I can go right back there. On the beach. It was so wonderful. And we, we mentioned the story about as we were driving there, the car started hydroplaning. And we were coming down Route 79, it was raining like crazy, and the car caught uh, a big puddle of water, and we just absolutely lost control. And what were the words exactly that you used as we were careening off the road and sliding to the left, to the right? Yeah. Listen to that. In the name of Jesus. Mm -mm. In the name of Jesus. You know, 
when you have an authority that God has given us, we can stand up against things that are happening in our lives with a little bit of attitude. With a little bit of attitude, say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you like to sass it, you can sass it. If you want to just proclaim it, if you want to just give it the old Texas draw, whatever you want to do, whatever your accent is, whatever you like to do, but we can use the name of Jesus to change circumstances in our life. Now, the second one that happened on this trip, I don't know if you're going to believe me or not, it's pretty remarkable, but as, as Liz is sitting here, she can tell you this happened. So we don't get away very often to go on vacation. We go to trips and conferences and visit family and do all these things. But to actually sit on the beach and have vacation had been six years since we had done it previously, right? Maybe you were like, it's been ten for me. Well, God bless you. Go on a trip. Go on vacation. But it was six years for us. And I started looking at the forecast weeks in advance of what it was going to be like at Indian Beach, North Carolina. So I look at the forecast. It says rain. Two weeks in advance. So then the next day I open it up, like maybe it's changed. Rain. Ah, one week in advance, maybe it's changed. Rain. The percentage of rain are growing. It was like 20 to 30, 40 to 50, 60 to 70. Like I am driving 14 hours to go to North Carolina for the first time in six years to the place I want to be with my whole life on the beach, and it's going to rain? And the Lord spoke to me and said, stop looking at the forecast. I'm like, okay. So I stopped looking at the forecast. And I didn't look at it another time. And I told, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I'm going on a 14 hour. I reminded him of all the things that were about to happen. <laughs> I'll be spending 14 hours in the car. I'll be driving. I'll be going down here. Lord, how about some sunshine? He's like, haven't I talked to you about the believer's authority recently? I said, in the name of Jesus, there is going to be sunshine on this trip to North Carolina. And I kid you not, we would wake up in the morning, and she can attest to this, and it's cloudy. I'm like, Jesus said, he's got, in the name of Jesus, we are going to have sunshine. And it was legit, like as we're walking to the beach, it's like clouds start, I'm, I'm not kidding you, clouds start moving, stuff starts, I mean, the things start manipulating and clouds are moving and there's the sun. And I'm telling you, it happened every single day that we were there. And I just was like, and every time it happened, my faith grew even bigger, right? So look, if it's going to rain this afternoon, we're, all, we're not going to stand here and say in the name of Jesus, don't rain, and then it's not going to rain. But what I'm saying is there are situations and things that happen in our lives that God has given us the ability to take authority over. And we legit, I mean, somebody, somebody could look at this and say, like, oh, you know, Jason, that's what it does in North Carolina. It rains in the night and then it's sunny during the day. Yeah, maybe. But for me, in the name of Jesus, I have a God who says, you know what, we're going to open up these clouds for you. And I'm not shocked or surprised by it. And by day four, I fully expected it to happen. I almost woke up. I'm like, really? Clouds again? <laughs> you know, like this sinister little laugh like you hear in movies. <laughs> and the sun came out. Come on. 
And it was like, man, I just, Lord, I said, thank you. I just needed that. And he knew I needed that. Sometimes he needs it to rain somewhere, and someone's praying for rain, and you're praying for sun, and it's going to rain. I can't tell you all those things, but what I can tell you is that in my heart, Jesus said, he told me to go after it. He stopped me from looking at the circumstances, which is the Weather Channel app, and all the clouds that I saw in person when I was there, and he said, go after this. Use my name, use the authority that I have given you to change this circumstance. And it changed. Here's the key scripture, Mark 16, starting in verse 17. It says this, And these signs will follow those who believe. They're going to follow you. They're actually going to follow you around. The signs for those who what? Who believe. If you believe, if you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, it doesn't mean that you are a Christian for 20 years. I'm only at 19. And the Bible told me at year 20, I will now have these signs following me. It doesn't say that. It says those who believe, you could have more faith on the first day you've been saved than on someone who has been saved for 25 years. Come on. Come on. This is not about how long you've been saved. This is about those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. So if you're in here, these signs ought to be following us. They ought to be following us. And I'm going to read you what some of these signs are, and you're going to be like, oh man, oh no. <laughs> these are not following me. And we're going to talk about why not, and how in the next couple weeks I'm telling you, these signs will be following you. Day in and day out. It says this, in my name, this is the key to all of this authority stuff, in my name, not in my authority, not in Pastor Jason or Pastor Liz or Andy, any of these, anybody, not in your name, but in whose name? In Jesus' name. This is Jesus speaking. He's saying, in my name, before he ascended to heaven, he's saying, in my name, here's what's going to happen for those who believe and follow me. This is what's going to follow. They will cast out demons. When was the last time you casted out a demon? Honestly, I'm asking myself the same question. Jesus said, these are the signs that are going to follow us as believers. Is it that we think that demons don't exist anymore? Do we think that they just got wiped off the face of the earth when Jesus went up to heaven? Heck no. They're tricky. They're deceptive. They're hiding. They're, they're, they're sneaky. Church, you need to understand there are demons alive and well in our lives, and they have to go. There are demons alive and well in our friends' lives, in our family's lives, in our co-workers' lives, and they have to go. Why? Because in the name of Jesus, they have to go. Because they are causing destruction and death and all of these things, and they're sneaky. It's like you don't even know that they're there. We're going to get into that. That's just one thing. That's just one of the five things that he mentions here that are going to follow us. It says they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And I think what I might do is each week we're going to unpack like each one of these, or maybe two at a time. We're going to unpack these so you understand what does that mean to speak in new tongues. 
Verse 18. They will take up serpents. What does that mean? What, are you going to walk around looking for snakes in your yard? Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Pastor Jason told me to get into my wood pile and start to look for snakes and to pick them up. So what does this actually mean to us? This is Jesus speaking. He's saying these are the things that are going to follow you. My believers, in my name you'll be able to do these things, but most of us don't have a clue as to what they are. We don't have a clue what they are. But these are the actual things. We're going to begin to unpack each of these. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, if they drink anything deadly, or if the car is sliding off the road, and death and destruction are eminent because the enemy is trying to do something and demons are operating and working, it will by no means harm them. In the name of Jesus, that's the scripture why that car corrected itself. That's the one. And that's the one that we were standing on when it happened. We didn't quote it out. You have time to quote it out. Let's see, which one of the great commission things that Jesus talked about was it in Matthew 28? No, that's a different one. It's got to be the end of John. No, it doesn't really go chronological. Or maybe it was Mark. There's no time for any of that. In the name of Jesus, we are standing on this. By no means harm me. Boom. Car corrected. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will, they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I think in the church we expect that it's the pastors that have to lay the hands on and we see recovering happening. Who? Who? The believers will lay hands on the sick. Not just the apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers. The believers, if you consider yourself a believer today, then you ought to be able to, you can do all of these things in Jesus' name. And we need to start activating the authority that God has given us. Come on, church. We want to activate the authority that God has given us in the name of Jesus. I mean, I'm talking about demons fleeing. And I'll talk about some of the experiences I've had with that. And it's, it's not enough. Just because it's happened with me a couple times and I was able to do it and we did it to houses and we did it to people, it's not enough. Look at it out there. Look at it out there. Look at what's happening to people. The enemy is having his way with our friends and our family and our marriages and our kids. And Jesus is saying, I've given you authority to take control over these situations, so use it. Come on. We gotta use it. We have to use it. Okay, what is authority? We're gonna first answer the question what is a believer? We got a uh, slide up here. What is a believer? A believer is this anyone who holds a strong belief in the truth of something. Those who believe in Jesus. Have a belief in the truth that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again for me. Boom. Gospel message. One sentence. And those who believe that, God has given this authority to use. Have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Have you said 
Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe, I believe that you came, you lived a sinless life, and you died on the cross for my sins, and you rose again. If you can't say that this morning, it means you are not a believer. And I would encourage you this morning, do not leave here. Do not leave this 5900 Starantania Road without reconciling that today. Come find me or Pastor Andy or anybody who will be up here for prayer after service and say, you know what? The believer's authority, I want to take the first step. And I just want to be in the believer's category here. Because I do believe that Jesus did that for me. And I want to give my life and my heart to him. So what is authority? I love this definition of authority. It's delegated power. It's God's power delegated to us as believers. It's a delegated power. It's not our power. Authority is not a power that you have. A police officer doesn't have any authority on its own. It is delegated power from the government itself, from the state, from the local, the city, whatever it is. It, that police officer has a delegated power. As a believer, it's a delegated power that we have. I love this part of it. The right to command and enforce obedience. Woo. And all the parents are like, Psh, amen. It's not a parenting class. We can get into all that. There's strategies on that. Well, that's for another day or a separate, a separate study. The right to command it. To command it. And how do you command something? With our words. We command something to move. We command something to change. And we use our words, as somebody said this morning, God himself created with what? With words. And this authority is used with words. And I think too often we're scared of it. We don't want to say it out loud. Start by yourself. Do it by yourself. Do it in the car. So many things can happen in the car. So many things. Including stopping at the stoplight. Okay, that was last, last week's message. Whatever. We're, all, we're past that now. We're moving to authority now. But use the name of Jesus. Say it out. Speak it out over the situation. In the name of Jesus. Begin to use it. It is a command to enforce obedience. And who has to, who is going to obey to those things? Who's going to obey? It's the enemy has to obey when we use the name of Jesus. So if this is a delegated power, what is power? Last definition for this morning, what is power? It's the ability to act or produce or strength. The ability to act or produce strength, power. So the believer's authority, is this authority, is the right to exercise the ability to act, strength, and enforce obedience. I wrote this down. It says, without power, your authority is meaningless. 
You have no ability or strength on your own which to produce something. This power is from on high. So point number one in the message here is Jesus has been given all authority. We're going to walk through a couple points here, then we'll, we'll wrap it up, and we'll get into some more details in the coming weeks. Jesus has been given all authority. How do I know that? Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me. He says it. We believe it. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This word authority here is really translated as power. All power has been given to Jesus. In Ephesians 1, verse 19, it says this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power in which he worked in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus now sits in a position of authority at the right hand of the Father. If you ever do any studies of like old, you know, where the, the person of authority sits after, next to the king, it's to the right. Like the person in authority sits on the right hand side of the king. And so God the Father is sitting on the throne and to his right is Jesus. The, the Bible tells us he is standing and sitting in this position of authority. So you say, where is this position of authority? If Jesus has been giving it, what is it over? Here, verse 21. It is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. So Jesus sits in authority over everything, both now and forevermore. That's our God. Church, that's our God. That's our God. Sits in authority already, and he's given us an authority to use in his name. It's just, it just actually blows my mind. It's just amazing. doesn't blow my mind. That's a negative thing. My mind is alert. My mind is sound. My mind is able. Okay, I'm kind of messing. Okay, verse 22. It's about all things. Verse 22. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. All things have been put under his feet. And Jesus has been given all authority. Point number two. We can see in the scripture that all authority and power is found in the name of Jesus. So you're like, well, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, like, I'm not in heaven, so like, what good of that is that for me? Well, it doesn't stop there. We actually get to use the name of Jesus, literally the name of Jesus, in every language, whatever language it is that you speak, we get to use that name because all authority and power is found in the name. He has it, but he also has the name, and the name has the same power and authority. So even though he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father, that same power and authority is available. Right here, where? In the name. Not in me, not in my strength, or my effort, or my ridiculously, you know, strong biceps. What? Why are people laughing? Max, this is, real, Right? 
I'm just kidding. It was funny. You can laugh. It's not in my own strength, my own power. Doesn't matter how much you squat or bench press. Doesn't matter. All authority is in the name of Jesus. All of that power. How do I know that? Philippians 2, verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name. The name, the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, just the speaking of the name of Jesus, things happen. Because there's power and authority in it. Every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. There's power in the name. Verse 11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I didn't put it in here, but it's the same verse that we just looked at in the very beginning. In my name, in Mark 16, in my name they will do these things. In my name, in the name of Jesus. Point three, because believers are in Christ, authority is given to them. Because you are in Christ and you are a believer, authority now is given to you. What does it mean to be in Christ? Being in Christ is referring to someone who has made Jesus their Lord and Savior. The whole believer thing we were talking about. A believer who lives his or her life as a disciple of Christ on day one or day 5,000. You're saying, you know what, Jesus? I need you. You're part of the body of Christ. When you're a believer, you're in the family of God. And when you're in the family, you're under the protection of the family. And the family has things that you can use to help you in your life. Relationships. The word of God. The Holy Spirit. And the name. And the name of Jesus. Another way to say it, I think I put it up there. That Jesus gave you his authority. He has it. He's got it. And he says, in, use my name, and you got it. Like, yeah. Sweet. We have to believe that we've got it. We have to believe that we have it. That's going to be a whole, probably a whole other week on that. Because you have to have faith that this is for real. You can't just walk around with zero faith and be like, in the name of Jesus, Squirrel, get off my porch. And just stand there and wait for the squirrel to move. You actually have to believe this. That's why I'm starting with this. You have to understand this is biblical, it's true, and it needs to sit on the inside of you for a week or so, letting it stir up and read these scriptures throughout the week and just begin to understand it more and more and more. We have to, I mean, on day one of the clouds moving, like... My faith was pretty high. By day three or four of the clouds moving, I was like, what other thing do I need to say in the name of Jesus over? Right? It's like this, you begin to build this faith up in it. And when you say it, you believe it. I mean, truly believe it. How many of you have ever said stuff that you don't actually believe? Come on, right? We say this stuff all the time. We say things and we don't really believe it. And this faith of actually believing that we truly have the authority 
in the name of Jesus. Luke 10, verse 17, says this, And then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Back to that first verse. The demons are subject not to us, but only because of the name, the backing that's behind us, the thing that's holding us up in every circumstance, in every situation, is holding us up. And then he said to them, this is Jesus talking, verse 18 of Luke 10, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over what? All the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus has given us that authority over what? Over all the power of the enemy. All of it. All power. Verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. And I love this. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that's why I titled it The Believer's Authority. Because what should bring us joy and happiness and all the things is not the authority, not because we can walk around, you know, with hey, in the name of Jesus, go in the name of Jesus. That's not what brings us to joy. It's because we are a believer. Because I'm in his family. My name is written in the book of life. And no matter what I face on this earth, no matter what the circumstance or situation, I get to spend eternity with him. And my heaven's going to be a beach with sun. Every day. And I'm not going to have to use the name of Jesus to cast the clouds because it's just going to be a beach, beautiful beach day. Every day. Amen? Amen. Okay. Bow your heads with me. I'm going to close that here. The next point that I had listed, Grace, if you want to come up here, please. The last point I think I'm going to pick up with next week. So maybe I won't even give it to you. I'll make you come back for it. <laughs> or listen online, whatever. Just bow your heads for a minute. I just want this to settle in this morning. I just want this to settle in this week. I had an exercise I was going to have you do. I'm actually not going to have you do it. We're going to do it next week. I just want to read that scripture again to you. And I just want it to begin to just sit on the inside. You can read it throughout the week out of Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Father, we thank you 
for sending Jesus. Father, we thank you that you've made a path to a relationship with you for all of eternity. Father, we thank you that when we believe in who you are and what you've done, our lives are forever changed and our names are written in the book of life. And Father, we thank you not only for sending Jesus, but for raising him from the dead and placing him at your right hand so that when we pray, and we pray in the name of Jesus, that all prayers are heard and that Jesus intercedes for us when we use his name. And Father, I thank you that you have given believers authority in the name of Jesus to use that name in circumstances and situations to see these signs follow us wherever we go. And Father, I thank you that you have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. And we're so thankful to be part of that family of God. So as your pastor this morning, keep your eyes closed, your head bowed. I'm going to do it for you today. I'm going to speak something over your lives, and I'm going to take authority over things that are going on in your life. Because I don't want you to leave here today without the name of Jesus being spoken over your situation and over your life. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and all your demonic forces may not come against us, may not come against me, may not come against this church, may not come against this city, this town, this country. You are bound away from me from all of us and our family. We are all covered and cleansed with the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, you may not kill, you may not destroy us or our property any longer. In the name of Jesus. And Satan, this morning I remind you that you are defeated and that we are victorious in Jesus' name. Just begin to say the name of Jesus this morning. Just receive that prayer. When you speak that name of Jesus, speak it over a situation or a circumstance. Maybe it was that list of things. Maybe it's everything. Whatever it is this morning. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's your job. Just activate that this morning. 
and just say those words, in the name of Jesus, I have favor in my job. In the name of Jesus, my marriage is strong. In the name of Jesus, the demons need to flee from my life. Just begin to activate that this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to thank him this morning. Thank him that he has welcomed you into his family. You just say the words, just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that he's given us this authority that we get to take and use and operate in. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you guys can look up here at me. As we close service here this morning, we're going to have some prayer teams that are going to be up front here. If there's a situation, a circumstance in your life that you just want to have someone agree with you and pray the name of Jesus over it, I just encourage you to come up here. If there's healing in your body, maybe you have an ache or a pain, say, Lord, I just need your healing touch today. They will pray for you. And if you're in that category where you're not yet a believer, you're not yet someone who has said, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I want you to meet me up here this morning as service closes. Can you do that with me? We're in no hurry, no rush. As leaders, we'll be here to pray with you and minister to you, so don't rush off. So let's just receive this benediction as I dismiss you. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. Amen and amen. You are dismissed.